0: All right, today we are in Jeremiah chapter 3. This morning, Jeremiah and chapter 3. Oh, yeah, I guess if the kids would like to go back to kids' class, they can. There's one back there. All right. Jeremiah chapter 3. Let's read just a couple of verses as our text, and then we'll, we'll look at a few different things. There's, again, a lot in this chapter that we're not going to cover today, but I think we get the main context of it as well. Jeremiah 3, look in verse number 12. It says, Go and proclaim these words towards the north, and say, Return thou backslidden Israel, saith the Lord. And I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep my anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under uh, every green tree, and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backslidden children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city, and two of a family, and will bring you to Zion. So we're going to look at this call to repentance today uh, in Jeremiah chapter 3. Lord, I do pray that you'd help us. I pray that we would receive from your word exactly what you'd have us to receive today. And God, we're so thankful how you've taken care and protected this church. And God, we pray that you would continue to do so. I pray that you'd help us to be what we're supposed to be individually, that we would be what we're supposed to be as a unit, as a church, that we would be what we're supposed to be so that we can effectively accomplish your mission for us uh, and reaching our community and our world with the gospel. Help us today uh, to respond to your word as necessary. Help me to present it clearly and correctly, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we see this uh, common theme throughout the book of Jeremiah of repentance, of the turn or return or come back. Um, that message that Jeremiah is given from God to give to the children of Israel, uh, to the nation of Israel here. And, uh, and we know that repent is uh, that word. It's a, it's, a, it's a church word we use a lot. It's a biblical word. Um, but uh, it has the idea of uh, turning completely around, doing a 180. Uh, so when we talk about repent, technically the word is uh, sorry or remorseful. Uh, that kind of being sorry is the definition in the the um, that book that has definitions, dictionary, and uh, uh, and you look at the the theme of repentance in the Bible. It is always talking about a turning from and a turning to. So going one direction, turning from that direction, turning to something different in the opposite direction, a complete 180. A complete turnaround uh, here to say. And we see that that word repent many times in the Bible. In this passage, we see it in the form of the word return. Uh, and we'll look at that here more in just a moment. Uh, but the repentance that was necessary here. We looked last week at God saying that uh, you know you've done all these things and you've you've went against me and you've been wicked and all those sorts of things, but I'm still here. And I'm still offering you uh, forgiveness and restoration. And that is what God consistently does for us and offers us that forgiveness and restoration that is so necessary for us in our lives. But here I want us to start out by looking. uh, We're basically going to look at two things. And we're going to do this a lot in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. We're going to look at the people on whom the message is to, and then we're also going to look at the God who presented the message, who gave the message. And so first we're going to look at the, 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 who the message is to, and in that we're going to see two steps of repentance. Two steps of repentance. And the first one we see in verse number 13 is to acknowledge. It says, Only acknowledge thine iniquity, only acknowledge thine iniquity, and that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God. The first step of repentance is is acknowledgement. The understanding, knowing that you've sinned, knowing that you've done wrong. If you're going to repent of something, you're gonna have to know why you're repenting of it. You can't turn from something and never go back to it if you don't know why you're turning away from it. It'll happen every time. There are many people uh, that have grown up in church and know that something is wrong, but they don't know why it's wrong. Now, maybe had they listened better, they would. Um, maybe had the message been presented clearer, clearer or correctly, they would. But none, nonetheless, there are many people who grow up in church and they say, I know I'm not supposed to do this, but the only reason I know why is because someone said you're not supposed to do this. And so what will happen is as a kid or a teenager or as a young person, they go, I know I'm not supposed to do this. So I'm going to turn from it. I'm not going to do it. But then as they get older and they begin asking the question, well, why am I not supposed to do that? and they say i don't know i don't know the reason why so i guess it's okay and so they'll go back to it so repentance a true repentance is the is knowing what i'm doing is wrong that's the first step of it because how can i be sorrowful or remorseful about something that i have no idea why it's wrong and that's why it's so important we ask the questions because i am learning uh, the older that i get I am learning the importance of people asking questions of me asking questions of my kids asking questions it's okay to ask questions as a kid for a lot of times I just kind of thought well if they say it's right or they say it's wrong then I'm just supposed to do it and I don't need to know why now I was not taught that by the way that was just what naturally I assumed and and as I assumed that well then when I had questions Then I started to have doubts. And instead of asking the questions, I just let the doubts grow. And then finally, I asked one question, and somebody answered me. And I thought, oh, there's actually reasons. There's actually a cause. There's actually an actual purpose, a biblical reason why I'm not supposed to do this. It's not because my pastor didn't like it. It's not because my parents didn't like it. It's because God doesn't like it. And that helps us then do right. That's why we talk about standards. And as a church as a whole, we're a very conservative church. Um, although some would 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 question that. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we are. We're a very conservative church. And, and when we're talking about standards. And there are times where people will say, well, this standard is wrong. And if you ask why, they're going to answer you but then if you listen to their answer and you think about their answer and you look at the Bible about their answer you go well that doesn't seem to match and so we ask the question again and they say they to the same answer and you say but what about this I don't understand and then you can start to get into some fuzzy things <laughs> some some opinion as opposed to some Bible and I, the Bible teaches us all throughout Scripture It teaches us principles so that we can build godly standards in our lives. And I believe that there are standards in our lives that we can differ in and still be right with God individually. Uh, I believe there are other things that are just black and white in the Bible or red and white in the Bible that are clear as day that God says, I hate this. It's an abomination. It's wrong. It is against me. And because of that you should not do it think it say it be it whatever those things we cannot argue about you can try but at the end of the day if the Bible clearly states it's wrong then it's wrong if the Bible clearly states that it's right then it's right and there's just no room for discussion on that but there is room for explanation there is room for teaching there is room for explaining things like that and when it comes to repentance though coming back to the point we have to acknowledge that what I'm repenting of is wrong. The Bible says, for all have sinned, Romans 3.23, and come short of the glory of God. So we know, when we're talking about salvation, we know that when, we're, when we repent of our sins, we know that we're sinners. We have to acknowledge that. That's, you, you cannot come to the, the realization that I need Jesus if you don't think you need Jesus because you're perfect. And that's where we get when the first step when we're sharing the gospel with people The first step at least that I use is the fact that we're all sinners Because if we're not sinners, we don't need a savior And so we have to acknowledge that fact the Bible tells us also in Romans 3 There's none righteous. No, not one which is a which is a quote from the Old Testament, but We have the 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 fact that every single person is a sinner You have to know that you have to acknowledge the fact. I'm a sinner now if you're already saved and you're, you're just uh, sinning, you're away from God, you're separated, the fellowship is separated from God, as was the situation that we're looking at in Jeremiah, he says you have to acknowledge your iniquities. In their case, there was a lack of obedience. Uh, in verse 13 here, it says at the end of the verse, and ye have not obeyed my voice. So he's saying you have to acknowledge your sins, acknowledge what you've done, uh, what you're doing that is wrong. Acknowledge what you have done that is wrong. In their case, a lot of it was idolatry. And and we read about that here in chapter 3 and chapter 4 and chapter 5 and all the way through. But this lack of obedience. In verse number 1, uh, the Bible says... Um, uh, well, we'll read the whole verse. They say, If a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, she sh- shall he return unto her again? Shall... Um, Shall not the land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, saith the Lord. So he's using this example of infidelity uh, in a marriage. And he's saying, you're my bride and you have cheated on me. And so you have gone, you've played the harlot with many lovers. You have gone into idolatry. You're worshiping this idol and that idol and this god and that god, lowercase g gods. And you're worshiping all these things. You have abandoned me. You have worshiped idols. And he says in verse 13 as well, Thou hast scattered thy ways to the strangers under every green tree. It is the, the spread of idolatry amongst the people. And so he says the first step of repentance is acknowledge your iniquities. Acknowledge that you sinned. Acknowledge that you failed to obey. Acknowledge that you have uh, gone into idolatry. And you're no longer worshiping me, the one true God. That's the first step of repentance. In order for me to repent of my sin, I have to acknowledge that I'm sinning. I have to admit and know that I am Uh, in sin in the way that I'm doing the second step of repentance uh, that is told to us here is in verse 14 turn turn this is really the idea of repentance but in verse 14 turn O backslidden children verse 1 return unto uh, again to me verse number 7 middle of the verse turn thou unto me verse number 12 Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, thou backslidden Israel. Uh, Verse number 14, turn. Verse number 22, return, ye backslidden children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, thou art the Lord our God. At the end of the day, repentance is a turning. Or if you're saved, a return. Revival is the same idea of a, of a reawakening, of a brought back to life. It's a person who was saved and really fell into uh, just uh, complacency. Uh, no fire for God, no excitement, no obedience, no whatever. A revival is a reawakening. You've seen in the uh, the, the movies or TV, or hopefully not in real life, but maybe you have, uh, those little paddles that the doctors have on the ambulance or in the hospital, and they rub them together and they say clear, and they hit the person and it poof, shocks them and, and hopefully brings them back to life. Where you have that. All right. That's a revival. They've brought them back. A, uh, for the Christian, a revival is so necessary in our country. Now, it would be great if our nation had revival in the sense that at one time, oh, many, 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 many years ago, our nation, as a, as a majority, seemed to love God, and that was a long time ago. So a revival, bringing us back to that point, sure, that'd be great, but ultimately revival uh, is going to happen most often within the Christian, bringing back to life. And, and repentance can be done by someone who is lost and repenting of their sins, but it's also done by the Christian who does wrong and needs to return to doing right who is going this direction that is wrong and evil and wicked or against God, and now needs to go this direction, uh, so you guys represent evil. And No, I'm just kidding. Uh, You're going this way and it's evil, wicked and wrong. You go this way and it's right. Whatever direction you want to look at it. A return, a turning, a comeback. And that's really, that's it. It's that simple when it comes to repentance, when it comes to uh, acknowledging that I'm wrong, and turning to what is right going to what it is and some people will say well really is it that simple in second kings we read a story in chapter 5 of naaman naaman had leprosy and he comes to elisha's house to be healed he hears about the prophet elisha and he travels and he comes and elisha tells naaman you go into the river jordan river you dip seven times and you'll be healed Now, if I had leprosy and I was told this is all you have to do to be healed, I would be pretty excited. Naaman was angry. He says, why in the world do I have to go to the dirty Jordan River and dip seven times? Aren't there nicer rivers? Aren't there better places to go that I could go? and, and, And why in the world? And he was mad that Elisha said, go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. His servants wisely said to him, In uh, 2 Kings 5, in verse number 13, they said, uh, uh, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? So they come to him, (coughs) excuse me, they come to him and they say, uh, Naaman, sir, had he told you to do some amazing feat, wouldn't you have done it? Ultimately, Naaman understands, they have the conversation, and they say, just go to the Jordan River and dip seven times. Don't you want to be healed? You see, a lot of times we read the Bible, and we think about um, the sin in our life, and we hear God say uh, this acknowledgement of sin, this, this request forgiveness. As 1 John says, if you confess your sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. 1 John's written to Christians. And we go, well, you know, for the things that I've done, it just seems too simple. (laughs) It just seems too simple. Well, what do you want it to be? Do you want to have to go out and and, uh, wear sackcloth and put ashes on your head? I mean, I guess you can do that if you want to. But God says, just return. Acknowledge that what you're doing is wrong. Turn from it and do right. Too often times we want to be spiritual instead of obedient. And by that I mean we want... We want uh, this big prayer or this um, activity or this service or whatever. When the reality is, when it comes to repentance, it's wherever you are, the time that you're convicted, and just saying, God, I know what I'm doing is wrong, and I need your help, but I'm going to turn from it, I'm going to go down to exactly what you want me to do. We don't have to... I know for me personally... um, in times that I have come to the conclusion that what I was doing was wrong and I needed to do right again, it didn't happen in a church service. It sometimes happened in a car, driving. Sometimes happened at work. Sometimes happened at home at night when I was laying in bed it's not to say that it hasn't happened in a service time, but sometimes we think, well, there has to be this great movement. There has to be this powerful sermon and people crying and weeping and, and on their knees at the front of the church praying and, and all this massive groups of people doing it all at one time. No, when it comes to your repentance, to your getting right with God, it is as simple as saying, God, I know what I'm doing is wrong. and I know that you want me to do right. I'm going to turn from the wrong. I'm going to go to the right. And God, I need your help to do it. God, forgive me of my sins and help me now to walk again the way that you want me to walk. Two steps of repentance are simple. It's acknowledgement and it's turning. It's the returning to what God uh, would have for us. And then let's look at the result of the repentance. So we look at the message that's being given to the people. The people are idolatrous. The people are living openly in sin. And God is sending Jeremiah, a messenger to them and saying, turn. Return, come back, leave that and come back to what is right. And in verse number 12, we see the result of repentance, what it can be. As he tells Jeremiah, Go and proclaim these words to the north and say, Return, thou backslidden Israel, saith the Lord. And I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you, for I am merciful, saith the Lord. And I will not keep uh, uh, anger forever. We see a merciful God Uh, a result of repentance is mercy it is God's mercy we we're so used to people in our lives not responding well to my apology right you hurt someone you say I'm so sorry and they say you don't mean that or they say okay fine We're used to a reaction from people. Your boss comes to you and says, you did this wrong. You say, well, actually, it was so-and-so's fault. No, it was your fault. All right, I'm sorry. And then they storm off. There's no forgiveness. There's no happy hug it out. There's no uh, whatever. There's just anger. And so oftentimes, people do handle apologies wrongly. Uh, So oftentimes, well, humans whether it be people that we're close with or people that we just have to work with, whatever it be, if we do something wrong and we apologize, sadly, many times we don't get the response that we were hoping for. It's like when a, uh, a boy says to a girl, a man says to a woman, uh, I love you, they expect to hear I love you back. Uh, Katie, get the door open because she's wondering what I'm going to say. Uh, the first time that I told Katie, I love you, you know what she said to me? I said, I love you. And she said, are you sure? And I said, I think you're supposed to say I love you too. She goes, well, I've had people tell me that they loved me before. How do you know that you love me? Now, it wasn't the romantic uh, uh, event that I was hoping it was going to be. But, <laughs> you know, there are so many people that when we say something to them, the response isn't what we were hoping to get back. Uh, You walk into your boss's office. Hey, I was wondering if I could have a raise. You know, I think you need to look for a new job. Um, (laughs) It's not the response we're looking for. There's all kinds of different human interactions that don't result in the response that we want. But God says, acknowledge your iniquities and turn to me and I will be merciful. God says, when you come to me and you are sorry, and God knows your heart. That's one of the reasons why people don't react... Always the way you want to because they don't know your heart. Sometimes they're assuming your heart. But God knows your heart. And so when you come to Him and you truly say, God, I am sorry. God, forgive me. God, help me to return. God says, I am merciful. I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. I am merciful, saith the Lord. The result of repentance is God's mercy. It is God's forgiveness. It is God coming to you and saying, I called you to acknowledge your sin. I called you to ask for forgiveness. You've done that. I forgive you. Again, I go back, and we talked about last week, but the prodigal son. And what a great example and story it is for us as we look at it in Scripture. When the son came back, the dad wasn't angry. He didn't ask him, what did you do with all the money I gave you? He didn't ask you, why do you smell like pigs? He didn't ask any of those things. What took you so long? None of that. He ran to him. He hugged him. He kissed him. He called for a robe and a ring and for a feast. You see, when we are living in sin and we repent of that sin, God, every single time, he'll never get tired of your returning. Every single time, God will hug you. He will kiss you. He'll put on the robe and the ring and he'll throw a feast because that's what he desires from us. Is for us, when we are gone, to return, to come back. He will always show mercy, and with that comes restoration. In verse 14, as he says, Turn, O backslidden children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and will bring you to Zion. Uh, We see in this this passage as God is, is offering forgiveness to the individual who will return to him. Um, in these tribes uh, here of Israel, there were families. And, and there was these you know, two to four families maybe in a tribe and, and uh, some you know, different connections and different things there. And it wasn't that the whole... I mean, he wanted everyone to return. But at the end of the day, it's if, if you turn and that person doesn't turn, I'm welcoming you back because you did. I, I'm restoring you. You know, as a nation, we would love for America to turn to God. But God says, if you'll return to me, I will restore you. And that's why we don't have to worry about other people as far as uh, other Christians and other churches and what they do and how they do it. Right? Because if 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 they're going the wrong direction and they return to God, God will accept them back. God doesn't say, well, okay, Bible pathway, you did right but this other church in Lexington did wrong, so nope, sorry, Lexington's out. (laughs) That's not how it works. God says, you obey, you return, you acknowledge, and I will have mercy on you. Verse 15 says, and I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. That's not pastors and the way that we use the term pastor today. But it, there is similarities in it. Shepherds, guidance, leaders that will help according to mine heart. And will feed you with knowledge and understanding. When you come back to me, I will give you everything that you need to grow and to learn. And to be faithful and to, to be bold and to be obedient. I'm going to, to place things in your life that are going to help you. People in your life that are going to help you. God gives churches This is important because there will be people who ask you why should I go to church. Part of the reason of church and a big part of the reason for church is to help Christians learn and grow in their walk with Christ. The edification of the believers, the the maturing of the believers, learning from it, things that you're going to get that if you're not in church you're not going to get. You can read the Bible on your own and you should. You can pray on your own and you should. But God says, don't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And the reason why that is is because the church has been established by God for the purpose of teaching, training, growing, edifying, encouraging believers. And with that, also sending out believers to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. In Jeremiah 3, we see this again. This, for me, in the book of Jeremiah, I see patience in God. You'll see Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. He has a great burden for his people. And that's important. But I watch as God is giving these warnings and these promises. These, You've done wrong. You've you've abandoned me. You've you've disappointed me. You've uh, you've made me uh, righteously angry towards you because of your sin. But I will be merciful if you return. I will be merciful if you return. And so many people today are being offered mercy, and yet they still refuse to return. And you'll see that's exactly what these people did. The large uh, number of them rejected God still. In verse 22, Return ye backslidden children, I will heal your backslidings. There are people who teach that... um, Christians can't backslide. I don't. I don't agree with that teaching, uh, but they say that uh, if a, if a Christian's living in sin, then they were never saved to begin with, or they've lost their salvation. One of the two. Um, we believe well, and we believe it because the Bible teaches it. You can't lose your salvation once you're saved. God holds you tight, and you cannot lose that salvation. But God here says. If you'll return, hey, backslidden children, if you'll return, I'll heal your backsliding. There is forgiveness, there is mercy, there is restoration that you will not find anywhere in the world but with God and with God alone. We have to make sure that we're not making the same mistakes that Israel made. And we have to make sure that we are following God. It says in verse 23, Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of the mountains. Truly the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. There is vain hopings in salvation from idols, from other armies, from uh, protection from other things. But truly, the Lord our God is the salvation. We talked about it last week. God's the only hope that we have. And we can look at it from salvation, talking about eternity... We can talk about it from salvation, from chaos of this world. Uh, However you want to look at it, God is truly our salvation. And so acknowledge and turn or return to God and see the result of your repentance. One of mercy, one of forgiveness, and one of restoration. God, I pray for your help. Lord, I know it can be difficult right now as far as having the right attitude and the right spirit as there is so much negative going on in our world right now and in our country right now. God, I pray that you'd help us if we are today not living the way you want us to live. God, I pray that we would acknowledge it and I pray that we would return to uh, what you want us to be. God, forgive us. God, heal us. God, help us. We desperately need it. God, help us to present the message of your word, the gospel, clearly. To our community, to our friends, to our families, to our neighbors, to perfect strangers, God, I pray that you would help us to be exactly what you want us to be, so that you can, uh, so that we can see the results of your forgiveness, the results of your power, and uh, Lord, that we would again follow you, help our church, protect it, guide it, and uh, Lord, use us to impact people for you. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. All right.